All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us, let us begin with a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors to thank. Sorry, to thank our Tchamotorah sponsor for the month of Adar Beis. Thank Leah Sol for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in honor of all those who helped to put together the beautiful groundbreaking. To thank our Daf Yomi sponsor, for today, Abigail Alpern, in memory of her daughter, Rachel Leah, Zichon Rachel Bas Abigail, and with gratitude to the Shir. With gratitude to the Shir. We hope that the Neshama has an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. But with that, let us begin. So today's daf is daf Chav Gimel 23, and we are picking up on Chav Beis, Mubeis 22b, pretty much at the two dots in the middle of the, in the middle of the daf. The two dots where it says Tan Rabbanam. So just to kind of close out, we uh, you know we we ended yesterday with a with a very beautiful sugya, where the Gemara was talking about the idea that if a man has a son who is a mamzer, so we were talking about from a halachic perspective that the existence of that son is essentially means the man did not die die childless, and therefore again the man's widow is not subject to yibum. The novelty, of course, is that even though this is a son born of an illicit union, nevertheless, just like we saw that a brother is a brother is a brother, so a son is a son is a son. Furthermore, the Gemara said that Allah is such a son were he to strike his father, ultimate or to curse his father, would be chayef for striking or would be chayef for cursing. So the Gemara said, well, one second, you're only chayef for doing those things. If you curse or hit someone who lives their lives in conformance with, you know, Jewish values, this man, this father, he, he fathered a mamzer. So because he fathered a mamzer, clearly he's not living his life in conformance with Jewish values. To which the Gemara said, he did tshuva. He did tshuva. Hagar did tshuva isn't creating a mamzer one of the things that you cannot do tshuva for. To which the Gemara ended off by saying, Mia, miha. I had mentioned this in the, in the Daf Chazari yesterday, I posted it later on in the evening, but what you see from this Gemara is something truly beautiful, which is that there is a distinction sometimes between how we act and who we are. That sometimes the way that I act is not good, and I do things that are inappropriate, and I behave in ways that are not befitting. But that doesn't change who I am. I could do bad things, but still be a good person. And this is one of the most profound things we have in Yiddishkeit. The, the proof to this is the uh, ability to do tshuva, right? In other words, if how I acted totally and wholly defined who I was, then there would be no ability to do tshuva in the aftermath of sin. Because if I act in a sinful way, that means I am a sinful person. But what Yiddishkeit understands is, although my actions absolutely, absolutely highlight or portray in certain respects who I am, but Lemaisa, again, it's not the totality of who I am. That even if I do negative things, even if I engage in negative behaviors, halacha lemaisa, there is still a piece of me that is good, that is intact. If we have time at the end of the daf, I'm going to come back and share with you a beautiful idea by the Ger Rebbe that highlights that concept. But again, I want to make sure that we that we cover some ground here. So the Gemara says as follows: If a person has relations with his sister, and this is a sister who is also bas ishes aviv. Ultimately, again, the daughter of the father's wife. So in other words, 
This is a this is a daughter that his father father right. So we'll call him Ruvain. Ruvain's father has a wife. His wife happens to not to be Ruvain's mother, right? So he's married to another woman now. So and he has a daughter with that woman. Ruvain has relations with this girl, so she has two identities. She is essentially his sister, but she's also the daughter of his father's wife. What's Talacha? Chayiv Mishum Achos Mishum Ultimately, again, he is Chayiv for having relations with his sister, and he's also Chayiv for having relations with the daughter of his father's wife. So dual liability. Rabbi Yossi ben Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, no, he's only chayiv because of his sister, not chayiv because of the daughter of the father's wife. So let's analyze this machlokias. What's the logic of the Rabbanon who say that you're chayiv twice? Omri michtik siv ervas achoscha bas avicha u bas imecha. Pasik says, the erva of your sister, who is the daughter of your father, or, or the daughter of your mother, ervas bash bas ishes aviv, moledes adicha achoschahi lamali. So I will say, Torah already tells me explicitly that if a man has relations with his sister, whether this is the sister, the daughter of his father, his sister, the daughter of his mother, he is chayiv. Why do I then need a supplemental pasik that says, Ervas bas eishes avicha. Literally, again, the erva of the of the daughter of the wife of your father, moledes avicha, who was birthed by your father, is your sister. Why do I need that pasuk? In other words, the that's redundant. The pasuk already told me that halacha lemaisa. If a girl is the daughter of my father, then what? Then what? Then she's my sister. This pasuk is redundant. So because the pasuk is not really contributing any new information, it must be coming to teach me an additional layer of liability. That if a man has relations with his sister, who is also the daughter of his father's wife, that there's dual liability. There's liability for relations with one sister, and there is liability ultimately, again, for relations with the daughter of one's father's wife. I will say, but you say to yourself, if it's us or it's us, why does it matter? Remember, again, if it's a case of shogay, like accidental liability, ultimately it could mean two sets of malchus, right? Two sets of lashes. Or potentially, again, in times of the base HaMikdash, two karbanos. So understanding what you're liable for absolutely does make a difference. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda who says that you're only chayiv once for a choscha, for sister, what's his logic? Amrkra, a choscha hi. Pasik says, she is your sister, Ultimately, again, you are chayiv because she is your sister, but you are not chayiv ultimately again because she is the daughter of your father's wife. Good. So we'll say, so fundamentally, about liability in this case. So we'll say, now we're going to go back and analyze the drushes. We'll say, what do the Rabbanon do? With the pasuk of achos chahi, she's your sister. This is very interesting. It's fascinating. Achos comes to teach me that you're chayiv for having relations with your sister, who is the daughter of both your father and your mother. I will say, know what you're thinking. Isn't that obvious? In other words, if I'm chayiv for having relations with my sister, who's just my sister through my mother, or just my sister through my father, then what? I'm chayiv for relations with my sister, who's the daughter of both my parents. 
So what do we learn from here? So the Gemara says, Lomar, Shin Maskirim Min Adin. So we'll say this teaches us a very important halachic principle, which is we do not punish based on logical inference. So we'll say, so ultimately, again, in other words, when it comes to administering a punishment, whether it's Misa, Karban, Malkus, depending on what it is, we punish based on an explicit verse, based on explicit Pasik, not based on logical inferences, which I will say is such an incredible yisod. Ein Masir Miladin essentially says, you cannot punish, or in other words, you cannot create culpability based on logical inference. And I will say, what a profound lesson for life as well. You cannot create culpability. Don't judge people based on assumptions that you make. Don't hold people liable in your court of personal opinion based on conclusions you reach through your own deductions. If you're going to hold someone liable, if you're going to hold someone, make someone culpable, if you're going to go ahead and condemn, condemn, condemn someone, even in the courtroom of your own mind, make sure you have legitimate reasons to do so and not just based on some observations or some ideas that you may have that are floating around. Such an incredible yisod. So the Gemara Rabbi Yosef Yehuda, in King Lefkar Rachamana, Achoscha. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda will say, if that's the case, the Torah could just say, Achoscha. Why does it have to say he? Why do you need that extra word, Lamali? Mishum Achoscha atamachaybo, via tamachaybo mishum bas eshes abicha. Rabbi Yosef to teach us that in this case of a sister who is also the daughter of my father's wife, so in other words, a half-sister from my father, Achoscha, he, comes to teach me that if I have relations with her, the liability is only, is only for sister and not for the daughter of the father's wife. To which the Gemara says, V'Rabbanon, V'Rabbanon will say, Afagav d'chsev Achoscha, itztrich l'michtov hi, the Rabbana will say, even though it says Achoscha, you still need to say he. Why? Because they will say, otherwise you might have thought that in general, we can't punish based on logical inference. If that's the case, then ultimately again, why does the Torah have to say Achoscha at all? They both say sometimes even things that can be learned out from a Kavachomer, the Torah goes out of its way to write a Pasik. Therefore, Kasav Rachmanahi, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Huda, Imke Lichtav Rachmanallah, Hoscha, He, Beidach Kra. If that's the case, says the Gimara, why not go ahead and write a Hoscha in a different Pasik? To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosi, Hai Bas Eishes Avicha, my Avid. So we'll say, what does Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Huda, what does he do with the phrase, Bas Eishes Avicha, my Avdile, to which the Gemara says, Mi Boile, Mi Shiyeshlo Ishos La'avicha Ba. So we'll say, it's actually quite interesting. He comes to teach me that the only time I am Chayev for having relations with my sister is when, my, is when she comes from a woman whom my father could have married. All right, so in other words, the definition of halachic sister for Arayos purposes means someone, a girl, who comes from a union with my father, with my father, and a woman whom my father technically could have married. So what does this come to exclude? Prat, what does this come to exclude? This comes to exclude if my father, father is a daughter with a shifcha, a non-Jewish maidservant, 
or an Akum or a non-Jewish woman, that ultimately, again, there is no Ishos. So I'll say because no marriage could be affected, ultimately, again, through those, through those unions, therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, that's not my sister, and were I to have relations with her, again, there would not be biblical liability. Incredible. So the Mara says, Ve'ima pratla achosome anusa, or well, maybe it comes to exclude what about the case of where the father violated a woman. As a result of that act of violation, ultimately, again, there was a daughter who was born. Maybe, perhaps the Torah is coming to tell me that she's not my sister. Right? That she's not my sister. To which the Gemara says, Ha'hilo matzas amris midirava. Dirava ramik siv. Because Rava contrasted Pesukim. Torah says, Ervas bas bincha o bas sigale. Torah says, the daughter of your son. Or the daughter of your daughter, your granddaughter, is an erva. Ha bas bina dida, u bas bita dida. Shari. I will say, what do you see from here? You see that ultimately, again, however, the grand right, if a woman's granddaughter, or a her should say, a woman's daughter's daughter, or a woman's or a woman's son's daughter is mutter uksiv. Ervas isha ubita lo sigala as bas bina bas bas bita hakezad. So we'll say. So then, how does that work? The Torah, because the Torah says that halacha lamaisa again, a woman and her daughter are an erva, and the Torah indicates that even again, granddaughter is also an erva. So how could that work? To which the Torah says hakezad kan baonsin kan benisuin. We'll say very very interesting halacha. If you look at Rashi for just a moment, Rashi says kan beni kan baonsin. Ervas baspincha me anusasalo segale. Ha baspina me ishacher gale. This is very interesting. In a case where a man violated a woman, ultimately, again, halacha lamaisa, the erva status remains on that woman, her daughter, and, ult, um, her, and her daughter, and her daughter, or, or her son, her daughter, or the wife of her son. But interestingly enough, grandchildren as an erva, only applies to in a normal case of marriage, not in a case of violation. Interesting idea. Top of Chav Gimel, Ve'ema prat Maybe it comes to exclude Chai Ve'lavin and coming to teach me. We'll take a look at the top Rashi. Av Anchev Chav Gimel Amadalif. Chai Ve'lavin. Imnasa Aviv Mamzeres Vaholid Bas Lavachosi. So we'll see, remember what we're trying to do over here. We're trying to figure out which cases are, which cases, if my father has a daughter, are they considered my sister? And which cases are they not considered my sister? The Gemara now is trying to understand over here, it seems to be that Allah, there's definitely an exemption. In other words, or an exclusion, I should say. There's definitely a case of someone who is the biological daughter of my father, yet what? Is halachically not considered to be my sister. So the idea so far that we've floated is who does it apply to? Shifcha? And avodas kochavim, right? And avodas kochavim. So not Jewish women, not Jewish women. Why? Because again, the Gemara is floating the idea that halacha lemaisa only a woman, only when it says bas eishes avicha. Torah refers to my sister as one of the kids, my sister of the daughter of my father's wife. So the Gemara learns from here only a woman who, technically speaking, your father could marry. If, he, if they have a daughter, is your halachic sister. But anyone whom your father cannot marry, ultimately the offspring of that union 
will not be my sister. So again, so the easiest case to fit into that box is where my father has a daughter with a non-Jewish woman. He can't marry her. Halachically, he can't marry her. Therefore, Lamaisa, she's not my sister. Says the Gemara, maybe applies to Chavi Laban. Maybe in the following case, well, let's say the father marries someone he's not allowed to. For example, my father is a Kohen and he marries a Grusha. Or he's not a Kohen, he's a Yisrael, but he marries a Mamzeres. He has a daughter with that wife. Maybe she's not my sister, quote unquote. She's not my sister halachically for Arab purposes, because again, my father is not really allowed to marry her. Amra Papa, no, that's not a good example. I'll tell you why. Because Chayvei Lavin, Tafsi Bahu Kidushin. Dechsev, Shabbos, remember again, see, why doesn't it work? Because when it comes to Chayvei Lavin, it's true. You're not allowed to marry this woman. But, but, if you did, it works. If you did, it works. So of course she's going to be my sister because even though my father's doing something usher by marrying this woman, nevertheless, halacha kiddushin is tofs and the kiddushin works. The Gemara says, how do we know this? Here we go. Amra, the Gemara says, Dixiv, Amra, I'm sorry. If a man will marry two women, one is beloved and one is despised, says the Gemara. Is there a situation of a woman who is beloved and a woman who is despised by the Torah? And as we both say, what the Gemara is intrigued by over here is the following. Look at Rashi. So remember again, what's the context of the Pasuk? It's really fast. What's the context of the Pasuk? A man is married to two women. He loves one. He despises the other. Right? Let's say that his firstborn son comes from the despised wife. What's, what, what's the halacha? The halacha is that son is the Bukhar. Right? The, the halachic firstborn. He gets double portion inheritance. What the Gemara is saying is, who cares who he loves and who he despises? In other words, why does the Torah have to tell me that if he has two wives and he likes one more than the other, and the firstborn comes from the wife who we love, from the wife who he doesn't like so much, that he's of course that child is the bechar. We'll say bechar, firstborn status is not a function of who you like and who you get along with, right? Right, firstborn status is a function of who is born first. So the Gemara says, why does the Torah have to tell us about a wife who is beloved and a wife who is despised? To which the Gemara says something amazing. Ella, Ahuva. So we'll say what it means. So the Gemara says, is there someone who is beloved and someone who is despised before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Torah is a book of law. So why are you telling me this? Watch this. Ella, the Gemara says, Ella, Ahuva, Ahuva, Benesu'eha, Snua, Snua, Benesu'eha. That Rabbah says, it's fascinating, the Torah, the Gemara says, when the Torah says beloved and despised, it's not referring to relationships. What is it referring to? The nature of the marital bond. There is a marital bond that is beloved and a marital bond that is despised. What's the marital bond that is beloved? A kosher marriage. What's the marital bond that is despised? An illegal marriage. An illegal marriage. But even though the Gemara says, Amrachmana, Kisiena, what do you see? See, even though you have a snua, even though you have a marital bond that is despised, why is it despised? Why, why is it despised? Because it's illegal. Nevertheless, what? It works. 
So therefore, again, the idea, so you see from here that Snua, according to the Gemara, means that there is a marriage that Hashem does not like. What is a marriage that Hashem does not like? A Kohen marries a Grusha, right? A man marries a Mamzeres. Any case that you're not supposed to marry a woman, but you did it anyway, and the marriage, technically speaking, works. Hashem does not like that union. So both say, so therefore again, coming full circle, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it can't be coming to exclude a sister who is the result of Chayvei Lavin. Why not? Because although such a marriage like that is illegal, Lamaisa what? It still works. It still works. Okay. Ve'ima prakla chayvei krisos. So I'll say, listen to this. I'll say, remember, just let's keep our eye on the ball. Here's what we know. Here's what we know. One is liable for having relations with one's sister. The whole way that this discussion went ahead and kind of got started was, what about if you have a sister who's your sister and also the daughter of your father's wife? How do you have a situation like that? Easy. It's a paternal sister. It's the same woman. In other words, it's, it's the paternal sister. We have the same father, right? But not the same mother. She and my father is remarried to someone else. Father is this daughter. So now this girl, she's my sister. She's also the daughter of my father's wife. So ultimately, again, if, if a man has relations with this type of woman, is he chayiv once, chayiv twice, right? That's a machlokas. Rabbanu says he's going to be chayiv twice, once for sister, and ultimately, again, once for father's, father's wife's daughter. And Rabbi Yossi said, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, yeah, Rabbi Yossi says, only chayiv once, only chayiv once for sister. That then sparks an entire conversation about the psukim regarding sister. Here's what we know. Here's what we know. The way that the Torah phrases the prohibition of sister, of achoscha, is coming to exclude some type of case. What type of case is the Torah coming to exclude? So one idea that the Gemara floated was, essentially the Torah says, um, uh, what's the Lashon of the Pasuk? Sorry. Um, achoscha bas eishes avicha. Torah says, your sister, the daughter of your father's wife. So the Gemara now is darshaning. Ah, I'll tell you what it's coming to exclude. It's excluding a woman whom your father cannot marry. In other words, in order for this girl to be my sister, she has to be bas eishes avicha. She has to, at the end of the day, be from a woman with whom my father could have technically married. Great. Who's excluded by that? So, so far we know for sure who's excluded by that. Who's excluded by that? Non-Jewish women, right? That's easy. That's easy, right? Because obviously, again, my father can't marry a non-Jewish woman. We're trying to see, well, maybe there are other exclusions. So now Gemara says, for example, they were Oh, what if my father, what if my father fathers a daughter with a woman who is a chi of kares to him? Okay, let's say he has a daughter with his sister, right? With his sister, chi of kares, right? Or, or another, another married woman. So what's Talocha? So the Gemara says, "Ve'yom chavi krisos." Amar Rava, Amar Kra, Ervas achoscha bas avicha, o bas imecha, moledes bayis o moledes chutz. Supposed to listen to this. When the Torah phrases the erva of a sister, it says the erva of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, who is born in the home, o moledes chutz, or born outside. Says the Gemara. So what does that mean? 
בין שאומרים לו לאביך קיים, בין שאומרים לו לאביך הוצא, ואומר אחמונה חוסכה היא. This is incredible. מולדת בייס, the Gemara wants to suggest, means a sister born to a union that is a sustainable one. מולדת חוץ means even a sister who is born into a union that what? We tell the father, you have to divorce this woman. Either way, she's your sister. So Bosa, you begin to see that halacha even if my father has this daughter, ultimately again, and she is part or she is the result of an illegal or maybe even an illicit union, halacha lamaisa what? She's still my sister. She's still my sister. And therefore again, there's liability. Ema, bein sh'omer lo la'avicha kayem, bein sh'omer lo la'avicha hotzei, v'am rachmano achoscha hi, l'rabos achoscha mishivcha, well, if that's the case, if that's the case, you're telling me that if my father has a daughter, whether it's from a marriage that's sustainable or a marriage where they tell my father, you cannot go ahead and remain with this woman, the product of this union is still my sister. Well, if that's the case, let's come full circle. Maybe that even comes to include who? Who? Even if he has a daughter with a non-Jewish woman. Maybe that's also called my sister. And therefore, again, there should be liability. Amrikrah. Bas eshes avicha. No, no, no. Bas to that we revert back to the drasha we had before. The definition of a daughter is bas eshes avicha. Mishi yeshlo ishus la avicha ba prat la achoso mishivcha vaavolos kochavim. So, this is actually really quite interesting. Apparently, again, the baseline over here is that in order for a girl to be considered my sister, she has to come from a relationship with my father, with a woman with whom my father could have technically married. Technically, technically married. If there is no possibility for Kiddushin to be Tovsin in that situation, then Lamaisa, again, she is not my sister. Umar Royce, so ultimately, again, how do you know which cases to include and which cases to exclude? To which the Gemara says, I'll tell you, it makes sense that ultimately, again, cases of if my father, so we'll say with this case, if my father has relations with a woman who is a chi of kares to him and has a girl, that girl is my sister. Why does that make sense? Let's say, the father. Father has relations with his sister. Right? And they have a girl. They have a girl. That girl is my sister. That girl is my sister. And were I to have relations with her, ultimately, again, I'd be chayir for that. They both say, I, why don't you come to say that again, he can't have kiddushin with her. Because he can't have kiddushin with her, therefore... Because Rabbi said, even though my father can't have kiddushin with this woman who is his sister, who can? Who can? Everyone else. In other words, she is kiddushinable. In other words, that, that halacha lamaisa, she is in the parsha of kiddushin. In the parsha of kiddushin. Masha'in kain, so Masha'in kain, ultimately again, shifcha, shifcha, and avodas kocha, I will say, are not shaykh to Kiddushin at all, right? No one could have Kiddushin with a Shifcha. No one can have Kiddushin with a non-Jewish woman because they're not subject to the laws of Kiddushin. Ad Rabba, Shifcha, Bavodas Kochavim, Havalei Ad Rabbos. I can say just the opposite. Shifcha and Havodas Kochavim should be included. Why? Di'i Magaira, Lididei Nami Tafsi B'Kiddushin. Oh, because we'll say, what would happen if the Shifcha, what would happen to the Shifcha or the Havodas Kochavim who would convert? Right? If they convert, they could marry this man. They could marry the father. 
The Gemara says, come on, that's not a good example. He, as I always say, when a person converts, what happens? They become someone fundamentally different, right? When a person converts, it's like a rebirth. It's not the same person. Not the same person. So remember again, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi understands from the Pasek of, of um, So Rabbi Yossi makes his drasha that ultimately, again, only a woman whom your father could have technically married produces a girl who is your halachic sister. But if your father can't marry her, then the product of that union, a girl, is not your halachic sister. Where do the Rabbanon learn that from? How do they know that if my father fathers a daughter with a non-Jewish woman, that she is not my sister? That she's not my sister, and I'm not chayiv. So we'll say this is fascinating. Very simple. They learn that from the Pasuk that says that if a Jewish man fathers children with a shivcha, we'll say, what does the Torah say? What does the Torah say? The shivcha and her children belong to the master. They both say, that's an incredible indication that halacha those children are not my children, right? If I'm the Eved, if I'm the, if I'm the Jewish servant, and I was given a non-Jewish shivcha to have children with, halacha the fact that those children are not mine, even when I leave servitude, that woman and those children stay with the master, indicates to me that those are not my children. And therefore, halacha if my father were to father a child with a shivcha and were to have a girl, that girl is not my sister, not my halachic sister. And therefore, there's no issue regarding her. So he goes, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, Chad b'shifcha, v'chad b'averes kochavim. Bless you. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda says, one Pasuk is coming to exclude shifcha, and one Pasuk is coming to exclude averes kochavim, a non-Jewish woman. Utsrichi. And the truth is, I need two different drashas. Why? Diashmo, you know, shifcha, mishum de'in la chayis. So we'll say, a shifcha has no genealogy. Aval averes kochavim de'is la chayis, emolo. I but noveles kochavim. Who does have genealogy? Maybe I say that halacha lemaisa again. The product of that union would be my sister. Viashmo ino lavedes kochavim mishum dolo shaycha b'mitzvos. Or I will say maybe I would say that halacha lemaisa. The reason that the product of the union with a shivcha is not considered to be my sister is because a, a excuse me lavedes kochavim because a non-Jewish woman has no shaychas to mitzvos. Aval shivcha. The shaycha b'mitzvahs emolo. But I will say maybe halacha l'maisa a shifcha. I will say you know the interesting part about becoming a, a shifcha kinanis is that remember sh- there is a quasi Jewishness to her. She is obligated in certain mitzvos. Therefore, maybe again halacha l'maisa the product of that union with my father should be my sister. To which the Gemara says shifcha. Therefore, saying two psukim ultimately again for two exclusions. Rabbanon ashkichon shifcha. Then ultimately, I know the case of Shifcha. Where do we learn about this? So here's what's interesting. Everyone right now is, seems to be agreeing to the same principle, which is the Torah is coming to exclude a certain case where even though my father fathers a daughter with a woman, that girl is not my sister. Halachic sister. Seems to be now the two cases that everyone agrees with are what? Shifcha. And If he fathers a child, my father's a daughter with a shivcha, a non-Jewish maidservant, or just with a stam non-Jewish woman, 
those girls who come from that union are not my halachic sister. There's different ways of learning this out from different sources. But halacha lamaisa, everyone's agreeing in principle. Rabbanon. Where do the rabbis learn out of it? Let's go chavim. The chitema nelef mishivcha. I maybe will say that halacha lemaisa. You can learn out from shivcha. To which the gemara says hano mitzrach tzrichi. Ultimately, again, both of these pesukim are independently necessary. Why? Amar yochel shem v'shema yochai. Amar kra kiyasir as bincha me'acharai. So I'll say the the pasuk says. Ultimately, again, she will take your child or literally cause your child to veer from behind you. Or I should say from behind me, from following me, Hashem says. What do we learn from here? Bincham Yisrael is kari bincha. The child you have with a Jewish woman is called your child. But the child you have with a non-Jewish woman is not called your child. Rather, that is called her child. Am Ravina, Ravina says, Shmamina ben bitcha habamina obin kochavim karay bincha. So what do you see from here? You see from here, ben bitcha. Ultimately, again, the son of your daughter who comes from an obin kochavim, ultimately, again, is called your son. Lema kasav Ravina obin kochavim. So we'll say, so what do you see from here? You see from here that, so we'll say, so again, and this is indeed, so let's just take a step back for just a moment. Everyone is agreeing that what? That when the father fathers a daughter from a shivcha or from an ovedes kochavim, right? What's the status of that daughter? What's the status of that daughter? She is not my halachic sister. So were I to have relations with her, ultimately, again, not, not a good idea, right? But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, there is no halachic liability for relations with one's sister in that scenario. Everyone is agreeing with that principle. How we get there and how you darshan ultimately is subject to machlokis. Which I will say then ultimately reinforces another reality that Rabbi Yochanan said just that, that we just that we just said over in the name of Roshama Yochai, which is that ultimately again, when a Jewish man fathers a child with a non-Jewish woman, that is not called your child. That is called her child. Right? That child is not Jewish, is not Messiachis, does not have a does not have a halachic connection to the Jewish father, but is considered to be solely the offspring of the non-Jewish mother. To which the Gemara says, well, what else do you see from here? The converse is not true. So for example, Ovid Havlad Kosher. If a non-Jewish man were to have relations and father a child with a Jewish woman, that child would be Jewish. Would be Jewish. To what I say I say it differently. The Gemara says, Kasher. That child is Kasher. To which the Gemara says, well, hold up. Nehid the Mamzer Lohavi, Kasher Nami Lohavi. So I'll say this is actually very interesting. The Gemara says, look, if a Jewish man fathers a child with a non-Jewish, with a Jewish woman, a non-Jewish man fathers a child with a non-Jewish woman, the child is not a Mamzer. But just because you're not a Mamzer doesn't mean you're automatically Kasher. Siyabosite, in Halacha, the word Kasher means what? Without genealogical blemish. Right? Kasher means you're free and clear. You're totally genealogically good. To which the Gemara says, well, maybe in this case, Kasher Nami Lohavi, Pasal Mikri. Ultimately, I'm say he's what's called a Pasal. So we'll say, and this is actually quite fascinating. So here's what we have. 
when a Jewish man fathers a child with a non-Jewish woman, that child is not Jewish at all, and of course not at all connected to the biological father. What about when a non-Jewish man has a child with a Jewish woman? What's the status of the child? child is Jewish. But here's the interesting part. It, what's the story with that child's genealogy, right? Or lineage, right? What's with its hijos? So the Gemara says, for sure not a Jewish, for sure. For sure, right? For sure Jewish. For sure not a mamzer. The question is, can you call that child kosher? So the Gemara wants to suggest over here, no. That child is not called kosher. Rather, that child is called pasal. Now, we'll say, what does pasal mean? Now, again, this is not really halacha lamaisa, but pasal means... There's, there's some type of issue. I will say, I'll tell you where this comes up. This sometimes comes up in a situation of, let's say you have a situation of a non-Jewish father, a Jewish mother, they have a daughter. So is that daughter permitted to marry a Kohen? So there's a discussion in the post scheme about that. On one end, you can say, well, she's Jewish. She's Jewish, right? But Lamaisa, she is the product of a forbidden union. So is there a certain element of psul that exists in her that would preclude her from marrying a Kohen? So this happens to be a discussion in the post game. But just understand, there is this fascinating... We're used to thinking about either your kasher or your apostle, right? At the end of the day, you know, or I should say either your kasher or your tainted. Well... And if you're tainted, your genealogy is tainted or blemished, blemished is a better word, blemished in a specific way. Now we kind of see that there is this possibility for what we'll call some type of genealogical cloud to hover over an individual because Lamaisa, the marriage itself was compromised. Okay, just something to keep in mind. To which the Gemara well, interestingly enough, that passage you just quoted before was written by was written by the seven indigenous nations. So by the seven indigenous nations in, in Canaan and Eretz Yisrael, I understand that halacha lamaisa, the offspring is like the non-Jewish mother. How do you know that that applies to other situations of a non-Jewish mother? To which the Gemara says, ki yasir lerabos kolamasirim. So we'll say ki yasir comes to include all those who would seek to veer the child away from Hashem, which means they'll both say, any non-Jewish woman. So the Gemara says, so the Hanichal Rabbi Shimon, the Darsh time of the Kra, this makes sense, according to Rabbi Shimon, who Darshins, the general reasoning for Psugim. So both say, this is a fascinating Machlokis in general, Darshin and time of the Kra, Lo Darshin and time of the Kra. Do, do we go ahead and Darshin, the reason for mitzvahs or not? Shabbos said, the paradigmatic example of this, Torah says, Lo beged almono, almono. You're not allowed to go to take collateral from a widow. Now, why not? Why not? Shabbos says, so interestingly enough, the pashtos, well, it depends. If you're dashing in time of the crow, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, because she's poor, and you should take it easy on poor people. Number two, because Shabbos say, if you take something that she needs every single day, it'll turn out that the creditor is going to have to go back and forth to her house every single day. If that's the case, that could create rumors. Why is this man coming to the house of a single woman, a widowed woman, every single day? So we'll say, on the, right now, however, let's say the widow is rich. If the widow is rich, then again, she doesn't need the collateral. And number two, you're not going to be going back and forth to her house every single day. So Lamaisa, then it should be permitted to take collateral. What does this depend on? Do we dash in the reasoning for Psukim or not? If we dash in the reasoning for Psukim, then maybe you'd be permitted to take collateral from a rich widow. But at the end of the day, if we don't dash in the reasoning for Psukim, then Allah Lamaisa, whether she's rich, whether she's poor, it doesn't make a difference. The Torah says, don't take collateral from a widow. 
to which the Gemara says, according to Rabbi Shimon, who darshins the reasoning for Psukim, will say, just like the woman from one of the seven nations, if you marry her and have a child, well, you can't marry her, but if you have relations with her and have a child with her, that child takes on her identity and not yours. The same is true for any other Gentile woman. El according to the Rabbanan, how do they know that the Pasek extends beyond women of the seven indigenous nations? So, man, tanik, the Yehuda. Who is one of the arguing of Yosef Yehuda? Rabbi Shimon. It's Rabbi Shimon, ultimately, again, who darshins time and dikra. Good, so I will say, so bottom line, here's what comes out. So, first of all, let's go back. The Raman Paskins, that if a man has relations with his sister, who is both his sister as well as the daughter of his father's wife, he is chayiv twice. Chayiv twice. That's why Paskin, like Drabonam. That's Aleph. Beis. Halacha la One is chayiv for relations with one sister. However, again, what's the definition of sister? The definition of sister has to be someone who comes from a union that te- or comes from a woman that technically my father could have married. Now, we have a very general concept like this. Father could have married means essentially someone who is marriageable. Even though my father personally could not have married her, but she's subject to the halachos of Kiddushin. To exclude who? To exclude who? Shifcha and Ovedes Kochavim. That halacha if my father has a daughter with a non-Jewish woman, that, that daughter is not my sister, and therefore, technically speaking, there is not halachic liability. Well, see, we then extend that to then say that halacha l'maysef, you're right, because in general, when a Jewish man fathers a child with a non-Jewish woman, that child's not Jewish. That child's not Jewish, and that child has no halachic connection to the Jewish father. Conversely, if a non-Jewish man fathers a child with a Jewish woman, that child is Jewish. Now, what's the nature of that offspring's genealogy? So, for sure Jewish, for sure not a mamzer, the Gemara kind of floats this concept of puzzle. What exactly puzzle means and what the ramifications of that are, are subject to Machlokas. Beautiful, Abosai. Ahmed Bey's brand new Mishnah. Brand new Mishnah, Abosai. I, I sent out a chart, a chart today, again, it's going to get exciting. It's going to get exciting today, right? There are also hard copies. There are, there are copies of the chart right behind, uh, right behind Elano over here also if anybody wants to follow along. So we'll say, so here we go. It's actually not complicated. Actually not complicated. So we'll say, this, this is an interesting case. If a man was Mekadesh, one of two sisters, and you don't know which sister you betrothed, Right? It was Seder night, and clearly you had more than four kosos, right? So I'll say, so, so, so what happens? A man betrothes a sister. I will say, by the way, Rashi does point out, you, you know how these things happen. Oh, actually, I don't know how these things happen. But, but Lamaisa, remembering, and I will say, if you have a situation where, let's say, Kiddushin is being affected through shlichos, right? Through agency, through agency, and there was some type of confusion with the agency. Again, as we see with all of these cases, the how is fundamentally irrelevant. I should say the why or, or the how is even fundamentally irrelevant. What's relevant is the case. So man was Makadesh, one of two sisters. And he's not sure which one he was Makadesh. So what's the halacha? No, so we'll say here, here's the problem. The problem is he can't live with them. Why can't he live with them? 
because they're sisters. You're not allowed to marry sisters. So, and he's not sure exactly which one he's married to, which one he's not married to. The only thing he can do is divorce. So how does he divorce? No saying, get lazah, they get lazah. Okay, so I said, it's actually a pretty easy case. So the only way to remedy the ambiguity is give a get to each of these women. Now, again, one of them needs the get, one of them doesn't need the get. And unfortunately, by the way, they're both impacted now, right? Because they both have the status of grusha, which now means neither of them can marry a coin. And I will say, and even though in reality, only one of them is really a grusha, but nevertheless, that's what ambiguity creates. Mace, well, say, so what happens if this guy, so we'll call him Ruvain, right? So Ruvain was Makadesh, one woman. Now it was one of two sisters, but he's not sure which sister. So again, case number one, okay, just give them both a get, let everybody move on with their lives. Case number two is Ruvain dies. Ruvain dies. So the same case, I will say, he was Makadesh, one of two sisters. Makadesh, one of two sisters. He's not sure which one. He dies, and now, of course, he dies without children. Dies without children. And he leaves behind one brother. What's the halacha? Ultimately, said the surviving brother will call him Shimon. Will call him Shimon. Does chalitza with both women. It's the same idea. Chalitza with both women. So I'll say, now listen to this. What happens if Ruvain has two brothers? Shimon and Levi. So what's the halacha? Echad cholitz ve'echad miyabim. Ultimately, again, one brother does chalitza. And interestingly enough, the, in this case, the other brother can do yibum. Now, Bose, it doesn't mean he has to do yibum. It means he could even do yibum. So, Bose, same case. Ruven was Mikadesh, one, one woman, right? One, one of two sisters. Unsure which one. He died without children. He has two surviving brothers, Shimon and Levi. One brother has to do chalitza, and the other brother technically can do yibum. I'll say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, Hayulo shnayim echad cholitz, tchila laachos. So I'll say, so the way this has to work is as follows. Ruben has without children, we'll call him Shimon. Shimon, the first thing that has to happen is Shimon has to do chalitza. Shimon has to do chalitza with one of the women. Vashemi imratza liyabim lishniyam yabim. Now I'll say, what's interesting about this case is as follows. After Shimon does chalitza, Levi could technically do yibum. Why could he technically do Yibum? Now he could do Yibum with Yorobosai with the other wife. Let's say again, Reuven was, Reuven, this Suffolk case was with Rachel and Leah. So what's going to happen? Reuven dies. Shimon's going to do Chalitza with Rachel. Technically speaking, Levi could do Yibum with Leah. Let's play this out. What's the, what's the worst case scenario? If, if Leah was the actual wife, then what Levi is doing is what? Is Yibum. And if ultimately, again, Leah wasn't real, the real wife, but it was Rachel who was the real wife, that's okay. Because why? Because remember, again, Shimon did Chalitza with Rachel, which means that anyway, Leah is totally permitted to Levi. So therefore, again, Allah, Now again, I will say, it doesn't mean that Levi has to do Yibum. It means he can do Yibum. Good. So I will say, so now let's go to this next case. And here we're going to go with the chart. Here we go. Shnayim shekitshu shteyachayos. So we'll say, okay, here we go. Here we go. So we'll say, so now here, here's the case. Here's the case. You have two brothers, two brothers, ultimately again, who are Makadish, two sisters. And what's the problem? Neither brother knows which one he gave Kiddushin to. So there's confusion. So two brothers, two sisters, 
No one even knew. So ambiguity as to who was Mekadish. I'll say again, it's, the easiest way to think about it is it's a mix-up in Shlichos. All of this was happening through an agent, right? The agent, no, I, I know, I know, I, I gave Kiddushin to someone on your behalf. I, I mean, I, I, good news is I can narrow it down, right? I can narrow it down, right? It's one of two sisters, right? So at least we've narrowed down the pool. But we'll say, by the way, that's how these cases happen, right? Kiddushin was affected through Shlichos. The Shliach knows that he gave Kiddushin to someone. The woman did accept Kiddushin. So I know the good news is I did what you asked me to do. The bad news is I'm not sure who I did it to. Right? So, so the Maise, again, it's happened now with two brothers to two sisters. So, Shnaim Shekitshu Shteachayos, Ze Ezekidesh, Ze Ezekidesh. And again, neither brother is sure which woman he was Makadesh. So, I'll say, so now what's Talacho? What's Talacho? So, Ze. No saying shnei gitten, vizen no saying shnei gitten. So we'll say this case is always the easiest, right? This parallels the first case in the Mishnah. So two brothers gave Kiddushin through Ashliach to two sisters. The only problem is neither brother is sure which woman he is married to. So we'll say easy, easy shmizi. How do you take care of this case? Two gitten, each brother gives two gitten. Easy, right? So again, so Reuven gives two gitten, Shimon gives two gitten, and everybody is good to go. Here's where it gets complicated. Mesu. So we'll say now, what happens if the brothers pass away without children? So Mesu, Lezeach, Ulezeach. So we'll say now, take a look on the chart by table A. Table A. So we'll say, see, here you have it. See, here you have it. So what happened over here? So ultimately, again, so actually, before we get to it, let, let's read it inside. Let's read it inside. So we'll say, so Mesu. Now, what happens? The brothers pass away. Lezeach, Ulezeach. If ultimately, again, each, if each, if each brother, right, each, each, each one had one brother, lezeach, I'm sorry, lezeach, lezeach, each one had a brother, zecholitz l'shtehen, v'zecholitz l'shtehen. So we'll say, that's also an easy case, right? Why is that an easy case? Because that's the same thing. So in other words, we'll call them Reuven and Shimon, even though we're going to switch the names in just a moment, right? Reuven and Shimon. So same case, two brothers got engaged to two, or did Kiddushin with two sisters, not sure which one. Case one is where, again, both brothers just give two gitten. Each brother gives a get to each of the women. If the brothers passed away, and they each left behind one brother, and they passed away without children, no problem. Each surviving brother does what? Does chalitza with both of the women. Easy enough. Easy enough. Now watch this. By the way, that's what I just read to you is table A. That's all table A. We can look at it inside. So I say here you have, you have two brothers. Right, two brothers on each side. Right, one brother. That's the that's line one. Line one is just telling you the happy family. Right, I have two right two sets of brothers, one set of sisters. Line one is when the world was normal. Right, line two is then what happens. Reuven and Gershon. Or some sorry, I was switching names. Reuven and Gershon are Mekadesh, the two sisters. What's the problem? What's the problem? We don't know who was Mekadesh. So if Reuven, so if Reuven and Gershon, if they're still alive, what do we do? What do we do? Allah each of them gives a get to each of the women. Line three is Reuven and Gershon passed away. So what happens? But Reuven and Gershon, without children, they both left behind one brother. No problem. The two brothers, Shimon and Kahas, will each do chalitza with each of the women. Beautiful. Okay, so table, table A is relatively straightforward. Here we go. 
Here we go. We'll say, what happens? Watch this. Now, if you look in table B, what's different over here? Same case, in other words, same case of Reuven and Gershon, both going ahead and being Makadish, two sisters, right? But Lemaisa, unsure which sister each one is married to. But I'll say, Reuven has one brother, Gershon has two brothers, right? That we're looking at table B now. Just table B in line, in, 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 we can already look at, we can already look at row two, right? So row two again, it's the same case. So Reuven and Gershon, if they're alive, ultimately each of them should just give two gitten, one to each woman. Woman. Now Reuven and Gershon pass away without children. Reuven leaves behind one brother, Shimon. And ultimately again, Gershon leaves behind two brothers, Kahas and Merari. So what happens? So we'll say, this is line three, table B, line three. Shimon, who is the surviving brother of Ruvain, has to do chalitz with both of the women. Vashnaim, and Gershon's two surviving brothers, Kahas and Merari, what could they do? Kahas does chalitza with one woman, and Merari has the ability, should he choose, to do yibum with the other. Ultimately, again, one does chalitza, one does yibum. And I will say the reason for that is because Merari has the ability to do yibum with Rachel because Iman of Shach, either ultimately, again, Leah was the true wife, and if she wasn't, then halacha lemaisa, again, I should say, either Rachel is the true wife, in which case Merari is doing yibum, or at this point in time, Rachel's not the true wife, but she's totally permitted to Merari anyway. Beautiful. Kid Muvikinsu. So this is an interesting case. Kid Muvikinsu. Let's say halacha lemaisa again. The surviving brothers just ended up marrying these women. We don't force them to divorce these women. Why? Because listen, we'll discuss this because this whole case is a case of Suffolk anyway. And since it's a case of Suffolk, therefore, Allah, if they went out, we don't, they, they did the wrong thing by marrying these women proactively without any level of Khalitsa. But if they did so, Allah, we don't take them out. So we say now we come to table C. What happens if Reuven and Gershon, the brothers, each have two brothers? So what's Ta'alacha? So we'll say, if you skip down and see, right, to level three, so we'll say, what has to happen over here? So watch this. In the case, in this case, where again, Ruvain and Gershon pass away, they both leave behind two surviving brothers. How do we deal with this case? So watch this. Shimon does chalitza with one woman on one side, on one's brother's side. Kahas does chalitza with one of the women, opposite women, right? On the other side, on what we'll call Gershon's side. And here's what's incredible. You can see about how this works. Levi has the ability to marry the woman with whom Kahas did chalitza. And ultimately, Merari has the ability to marry the woman with whom Shimon did chalitza. Sirebo say essentially, when you work through all of these steps, halacha lemaisa, we allow these men to do yibum because lemaisa, there's either one of two scenarios. Either the woman who they're doing yibum with is the actual widow, in which case it's totally mutter, or lemaisa, again, she's an unrelated party, in which case it is mutter as well. Kid mushnayim v'chaltzu, lo yabmu ashnayim. So we'll say ultimately again, 
if two of the brothers went out and did chalitza, then the, ultimately the other two should not do yibum. Either one should do chalitza, one should do yibum. Kidmu v'kinsu if again, the brothers proactively married these women, ein motzien miyadam. We do not force them to get divorced. So, so again, it looks complicated, but actually not all that complicated. Just one has to go through the series of steps. So we'll say, let's just begin the Gemara one line. Shema minah, what do we learn from here? Kiddushin shei misru nabiyah, havi kiddushin. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. What you do see from here is that a marriage that can never be consummated is still called a marriage. Now we'll say, this case, let's go back to the first case of Mishnah. Always first case of Mishnah. Reuven and Shimon, two brothers, what happens? They're Mekadesh. They're Mekadesh. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Forget Reuven and Shimon. One guy, Reuven. Reuven is Mekadesh One of two sisters. What's the problem? What's the problem? He doesn't know who. So what's the halacha? We tell him. We tell him what? You have to give a get to both of them. Then I both say, what's unique about that marriage? What's unique about it? It can never get off the ground. Is he ever permitted to live with either of those women? No. Why? Because there's the risk that maybe the woman he's going to live with is actually not his wife, but rather who? His wife's sister. But yet, the Mishnah calls this a kiddushin. So you see from here that even a marriage that cannot result in biya is still called a marriage. To which the Gemara says, How come I ask you? No, 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 no. What's the case? First one, we'll finish with this. No, no, no. Both say, you read the Mishnah and we think the Mishnah is talking about a case where he never knew which woman he was betrothed to. It's not true. There was some clarity and then ambiguity. Which most that could happen is the shaliach knew which woman he was makadish for Ruvain, and then Allah Khalamai said there was confusion. They can have diktani ve'ino yodea ve'lo katani eino yodua. Shmamina. So we'll say we're talking about a case, we'll stop, we'll stop over here. We'll say so we're talking about a case where Allah Khalamai said again, it was known who Ruvain was makudash to, or who Ruvain was makadish. There was just subsequent ambiguity. Therefore, because there was a moment where it was known, this is called Kiddushin Misurin Labiyah, a viable marriage. The, the ambiguity set in later on, which then ultimately again precluded the marriage from actualizing. We'll pick up with the rest of the Sugi tomorrow. Shkoyach. All right, everyone have a wonderful day.